What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Overcoming poverty. Burning off stress. Paying attention with ADHD. Building a career. Beating a painful genetic disorder. After 13 years of helping others do the same, fitness became a foundation for my life's greatest gift and challenge. Becoming a father. My name's Alex Van Houten, and I believe that what I eat, how I move, and what habits I live by are the rock upon which I build my physical, psychological, and spiritual well-being. And whatever I do will rub off on my kids and my community. Welcome to Defining Dad Bod, where we work to untangle the messy knots of the health and fitness industry as if your children's lives depended on it. Because they do. This is where we decide to make our bodies stand for something bigger than ourselves. This is where we find practical wisdom to live by, one powerful conversation at a time. May the words spoken here inspire you to keep moving forward no matter where you are. Who knows who you could be if you could become 1% better every single day. We can do the show thanks to the support of listeners just like you. For more information how you can become part of the inner circle, go to findingdadbod.com slash inner circle. That's findingdadbod.com slash inner circle. What's up, guys? This is Alex Van Houten with Defining Dad Bod. I hope you're doing super, super well. I'm doing particularly fantastic today because I got seven and one half hours of sleep last night. Woo! And the crowd goes wild. Those of you who've been following the show for a little bit know that we have a two-month-old in the house. So getting seven and a half hours of sleep is not only something worth celebrating, but shows us that there's a light at the end of the tunnel for this particular phase of life. So thank you for your thoughts. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your thoughtful messages. I think we're starting to come out of it. I'm super excited about the conversation you're about to hear today with Mr. Gene Fleming. Gene's the host of a podcast called Pushing 60 Aside, where he brings an interesting and needed voice to the health and fitness industry for a group of people that's mostly overlooked by the health and fitness industry. That is basically anybody over middle age. I asked him to come on the show for two reasons. First, as a Southern gentleman and military veteran, Gene's the kind of guy who you find yourself sitting cross-legged in front of while he tells you stories, even if you've heard the same story over and over again. And you'll find there are a couple times in this particular show where I just shut up and let Gene talk. And I hope you'll find what he was saying just as engaging as I did. But the second reason I had Gene on the show is he brings a unique perspective to the whole idea of defining dad bod. 
You've heard me talk regularly about how our children should be inspirational motivators toward our fitness goals rather than obstacles from our fitness goals. But because I'm only 30, I can speak from the perspective of a father, not a grandfather. With his running and regular regimens and his specialty in training people over 60, Gene has a unique message to bring to the idea of defining dad bod. Not just our responsibility to leave a legacy of health and fitness for our kids, but we get into the role of grandparents and great-grandparents in leaving a legacy of health and fitness for our grandkids and great-grandkids. To hear Gene tell it, it doesn't stop at your kids. And the conversation you're about to hear today got me thinking in much longer and probably more productive terms than I have been thinking personally. And even as a personal trainer and self-proclaimed fitness guy, I felt a renewed sense of responsibility when it comes to encouraging, motivating, and even caring for my family members who should be pushing 60 aside. I'll let you hit the conversation for yourself, but if hearing from Gene today doesn't inspire you in some form or fashion for yourself or your family, then as those old Alabama country boys would say, I'll eat my hat for you. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and leave a positive, powerful review on iTunes for Defining Dad Bod. Your subscription and your review make it possible for the free content of Defining Dad Bod to spread to the community. And our goal around here is to reach as many people as possible to help them cut through the garbage of the health and fitness industry and make the process of leaving a healthy legacy possible and practical. A recent reviewer said, Defining Dad Bod is a great podcast for any dads who refuse to settle for the average or mediocre and who want to live a long, healthy life and model a healthy lifestyle for their kids. I'm very intent on modeling a healthy lifestyle for my children, and I know Alex is as well, which is why I love his mission and his podcast. Andy, I appreciate your review and will be sending you a decal soon. Now I hope you're just as excited as I am to join Gene Fleming in Pushing 60 Aside. What's up, guys? This is Alex Van Houten with Defining Dad Bod. I hope you're doing well. I'm really excited about today's show because I have a good buddy that I got to meet online because online is a wonderful place to meet awesome people, Mr. Gene Fleming. Gene, how are you doing today, brother? Man, I would tell you I feel like a million bucks, but that'd be a lie. So let's just say I feel like a hundred bucks because I could really use a hundred bucks right now and that'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Gene is a certified personal trainer out of Alabama with an interesting story that I don't hear, or at least I don't talk about a lot on this show because Gene gets to work with a population who's largely over 60. Gene, what's the name of your podcast again, brother? My podcast is Pushing 60 Aside. Pushing 60 aside. And here in Defining Dad Bod, we talk a lot about parenthood. A lot of the people who listen to the show are, you know, somewhere between 20 and 50 years old. And, you know, soon we'll be pushing 60 aside with you, Gene, I hope, (laughs) at least the way you're doing it. But one of the things that I love about what you're doing is you're bringing awareness to and a voice to and and health and fitness advice and, and practical tips to a population of people who largely, in my purview, the health and fitness world has just really doesn't speak to. I mean, when you talk about getting six pack abs for the summer, like my grandma's not going, you know, that sounds good. Like that, that's something that generally passes her right on by. Right. So when I talk about health and fitness here on defining dad, but we talk about it in, in the long term 
and leaving a legacy of health and fitness for our kids. And that's true for moms and dads and grandparents and great grandparents. And so I love having you on because I'm excited about what we're going to talk about here. So if you don't mind for the listeners, give us an idea of your story. Where'd you come from? I know you had a career prior to being a personal trainer. Now you're a personal trainer. How did that happen? How did you get started in fitness? Well, every story has a beginning. And I was just like any other kid growing up in the deep South. And uh, I wanted to see the world. So at age 19, I joined the Navy. And I did 21 years with the Navy. Mm. Had a very successful career. And the good thing about being a military guy is you, you have to stay in shape. Otherwise, they won't let you stay and play. And so for 20 years of my life, I had somebody that was reining me in from bad eating habits and uh, lack of fitness because, you know, we were going to get tested. We were going to get graded. And that all affected whether or not you got your next promotion. Mm. And because uh, we won't physically fit people in the military. Then came my magic retirement day, which incidentally was April Fool's Day, <laughs> 1997. And suddenly I was free, free, free. I never had to run that 1.5 miles again. I never had to do as many push-ups as I could in, in two minutes. I, had, I didn't have to do the sit-reach or do sit-ups. And I, they didn't have to measure my doggone body fat percentage ever again. Mm. And since I had this newfound freedom, uh, I went ahead to pursue you know, some higher education goals that I had. And so I spent a couple of years working on a master's degree in counseling. and. Um, I, I was having a good life. In the meantime, I'm a father of two boys that are now approaching their teenage years. And uh, I'm, I'm a principal at a small school and I'm a chaplain at a regional hospital. I'm on the fair committee. I'm on the uh, uh, chamber of commerce. So I've got a, well, maybe not stereotypical age 40 life, but I'm go, 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 go. And, uh, in particular, my, my chaplaincy duties had me at hospitals late at night working with suicide ideation cases, uh, people who were dying. Mm. And so I got to see a lot of really graphic stuff up close and personal. But being on the kind of the forefront of what happens when people are dying, I didn't see what was happening to me. And the thing that was happening to me was, was no longer having these restrictions of the Navy pulling me in and saying, get fit, stay in shape, get the body fat down. I ate whatever, whenever, and often on the fly, often fast food. I was the guy that would pull into a, a supermarket and grab two boxes of Little Debbie snack cakes <laughs> and, and carry them in the truck with me. Mm, yeah. You know, going out on a call or a mission or a meeting, I'd be on the way there stuffing a couple of snack cakes and probably chasing it down with a, a Mountain Dew or something like that. Mm. It's typical Southern life, you know. And then for lunch, it was a swing into the fast food place, Burger King, McDonald's, Sonic, or, or any of the others. And, uh, and, and you know, it, there's a weird thing about us as humans. We want a good deal. And, and, you know, and if I can get the meal at that time for three bucks, but I can supersize it for 50, by golly, for 50 more cents, I'm going to get a lot of fries. And, and that was kind of my mindset. Mm. And uh, because of my work and stuff, I didn't sleep very well. Uh, and I had two typical of a 40-year-old guy with a family, uh, with a job, 
uh, with hobbies like hunting and fishing. And, and I had a small farm too. <laughs> so, you know, I was burning a candle in three places, not just two. You were a busy, busy, retired version of yourself, man. That's insane. <laughs> and so the lowest priority on, on my list of things to do was to prepare meals. Mm. I, I didn't, I, I never grocery shopped back then. Uh, my wife did that. And she said, what do you need? I said, bring me five boxes of Cheez-Its. Can we say name brands on your podcast? <laughs> you can now. <laughs> <laughs> bring me five boxes of cheese crackers and, uh, you know, three boxes of, uh, three boxes of uh, snack cakes, you know, mm. and, oh, and a tub of banana split flavored ice cream. Mm, good choice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, and don't forget the Pringles. Uh, so anyway, because I'd come in so exhausted every day after taking care of the farm and the patients at the hospital and going to a chamber meeting and doing planning for a meeting at, uh, with the county fair, all those sorts of things. I'd come in just exhausted and I may not get in until nine o'clock at night, flop on the couch and just stuff my gullet, mm. you know. Well, I didn't see it coming, but the first year I retired, I gained about 14 pounds. That's not so bad. The next year, I gained another 14. The next year was another five, and I went from that trim waist up to, I'm going to shorten the story a bit here, buddy, because I owe that to you. I went from a size 36 waist to a size 46 waist in a period of about 10 years. Wow, an inch a year, huh? Just about that rate. And predictably, what was happening by the time I was reaching my early 50s was I had the signs of aging, I had prediabetes, I had congestive heart failure, and I had chronic pain. So that's enough. That right there is enough to make a guy miserable. Yeah. Consequently, my sleep patterns were completely disrupted because I could no longer sleep in a bed. I was sleeping in a recliner. Oh. And so from, from ages 51 to say 53 or so, I never slept in a bed unless it was a hospital bed. And I, I did have a couple of hospitalizations during that period. And, uh, you know, my wife and I made the move from the Gulf Coast of Alabama up here to the mountains of Northeast Alabama because I was sick and dying. And I had talked to my doctors about it and they said, yeah, it doesn't look good. You're probably not going to be here very much longer. But none of the doctors were talking about dramatic changes in lifestyle or diet or exercise or any of those things. Yeah. Let let me pause your story right here because I want to settle on that for just a second, if you don't mind. This is a really powerful part of your story that I honestly didn't know about walking into the conversation. So you're in your mid-50s and you're in a place where you're deciding to move to the mountains because you're probably not going to live much longer. That's where you were at. I moved to Lookout Alabama, uh, Lookout Mountain, Alabama to die. Wow. We bought our house because it was suitable for a wheelchair ramp and, and had a bedroom suitable for a hospital bed. Oh my gosh. So the listeners can't see our faces right now. So I just want to describe, like I'm looking at a guy if who, if you met him on the street, like shook his hand. Hey, Gene, I'm Alex Van Houten. Good to meet you. You shake Gene's hand, like the guy's posting pictures of him after a run on Facebook, you know, like you don't look none the worse for wear as I'm looking at you. <laughs> so, and, and you're, you're speaking really well. So when I hear that, and that's what, 
maybe what, five, six, seven years ago for you. When I hear that, I'm thinking like, is that the same guy? Like, is this the same guy? Is that guy that you're talking about right now? One and the same. And, uh, you know, one day, Alex, and I'm not exactly sure when it happened, but uh, it's along about seven or eight years ago, I went to see a neurologist. And, you know, I can't disregard the importance of faith uh, in the, in the human process. Mm. And, uh, and, and so I sat down with a neurologist and, and he was looking at all the medications that I was taking. And it was a sad day. I weighed close to 280 pounds and I'm five foot seven, Alex. (laughs) That's a a lot. Do you mind running through that list of medications? Maybe not brands necessarily, but what, what all were you taking? Of course, something for cholesterol because my cholesterol was off the chart. Mm. Something, a, a diuretic, of course. I was taking something for neuropathy uh, because my legs were on fire. Mm. I'd pretty much lost the function of my right leg. I was taking um, pain medication. Mm. And I'm not, a, I'm not embarrassed to say it that I got caught in the opioid loop. Mm. I'd had a couple of car wrecks with back injuries and disc removal surgeries, you know, so on and so forth like that. And, and so you trust your doctor and okay. And then because we're putting it all out there and if it helps somebody, I'm game. Uh, I was so depressed. Mm. I was so bleakly depressed. Everything that I had enjoyed at age 40 and before was gone. I mean, uh, I couldn't play with my kids really, you know, and now they were becoming adults. I couldn't, I couldn't enjoy fishing or hunting anymore. I certainly couldn't do walk around visits at a hospital as a hospital chaplain anymore. Mm. And I couldn't even enjoy going to church because I couldn't sit on the pew for an hour and endure the pain that I was in. So my wife and I, came to grips with this decision that I probably wouldn't be here by age 55. Well, Alex, I'm 61 now. I'm turning 62 this fall. So the story ultimately has a happy ending. (laughs) That's great. That neurologist that I sat down with, uh, he said, and this is the faith part. He said, son, I can't heal you. You know, and I broke to tears. I said, you're my last great hope. You're the top neurologist in North Alabama. And, um, he said, no, but I know somebody that can. And then he leaned over and he prayed with me. Well, I boohooed like a baby. You know, I said, no, no I wanted you to fix me, not pray for me. <laughs> right. Thanks a lot, Doc. <laughs> and, and this is important. And, and, and it's, the, it's the crux of my turnaround. He said, if you want to be in my program, you got to follow my rules. He, he, made, he was a doctor, but he was a trainer. Mm, I like that. He said, your thinking has gotten to the point that you're presuming you're going to die and you're not thinking about ways to prevent it. You just want pain to go. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Go away, and you want depression to go away. He said, here's the deal. You got to go through 12 weeks of pain management classes. Ah! Are you kidding me, Doc? <laughs> No, I didn't come to get educated. I came to get well. And he said, and also you've got to see our our uh, our psychologist and and get a workup. I said, I'm not crazy. I'm in pain. I said, I, I have a background in psychology. So, hey, doc, <laughs> you know, I know what depression is. I'll tell you right now, I am. <laughs> I have a right I'm to depressed. be. I, I meet all of the symptoms. <laughs> yeah, I, I've gone down through the DSM-4 or 5, whatever it was at the time, and I said Check, 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 check. Yeah, I'm I'm depressed. And uh, so anyway, uh, but he started working with me. And and even though I was a skeptic, uh, some education sometimes for a sick person is a good thing. And uh, I went to all the classes. I, I saw the psychologist. Uh, and th- I could feel inside of me a spark of of want to live. And it was like I was shaking my fist at life itself and saying, oh, no, I'm I'm not going down this way. You know, I might get struck by lightning. I might have a tree fall on me. I might get hit by a drunk driver, but I'm not going to go down because I ate myself to death and got sick and obese and this clutter of other diseases that had, a you know, literally came to roost in my body. And in my brain. So we're, we're telling the story from the future, looking back, right? But was there ever like an inkling in the back of your mind that any of this had to do with how you were eating and how you weren't exercising? Or did that come through the education process? Even after I had completed the psychological testing and one-on-one talks with the counselor and gone through all these pain management classes and, and all of that, never once did I connect food and behaviors to conditions. Wow. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Because there was nobody in place. If I had been in a little bit better shape at that time, it would have been an ideal time for me to find the right personal trainer Mm. to help me get started. But I wasn't really conscious that a guy my age could hire a personal trainer to help me set some goals that were attainable you know, realistic with a predictable outcome six months or a year down the road. So to kind of shorten and condense the story a little bit, uh, the doctor's weaning me off medications. This doesn't work. We'll stop it. This is not really working. We'll take me off of it. One by one, we started cutting off medications. I went from 12 prescriptions to one. Wow. In a course of about a year and a half. And now, Alex, to be truthful, I still have some pain. I've done too much to this body over the years to to not have the typical pains of arthritis and injury that a 60-year-old guy might have. Mm. But uh, my wife, God bless her, she bought me a Fitbit. (laughs) She bought me a fitness tracker. I had no idea how sedentary I had become. No idea. And that's one of the areas I try to reach seniors today is 
you don't really know what you're doing or what you're not doing. And this little gadget on my wrist here at least keeps me conscious of, oh my, I've sat all day and done nothing or, oh my, I did six miles today. That's powerful. So she got you a Fitbit. Yeah. You're, you weaned down the medication. She got you a Fitbit. And during that year and a half, did you also make any nutritional changes that were offsetting the changes of taking yourself off a of medication? Like, what did that look like? Well, sure, Alex. And, and I wish I could tell you that I had a perfectly designed uh, fitness program where I worked with a trainer, worked with a nutritionist, a dietitian, a doctor, a, a good buddy who worked out a lot or something. <laughs> None of the above, none of the above, none of the above. So I know how to read. I know how to do internet searches. About that time, uh, Chris and Heidi Powell had a TV show on at night uh, with weight loss transformations. And and I said, well, those people can do it. I can do it. Still didn't have any help with it. Mm. So (laughs) I went to an online source and I bought like 12 boxes of protein bars, 12 cases of protein bars. and 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 so, you know, I get up, eat a protein bar. Mid-morning, I'd eat a protein bar. Afternoon, so I didn't have a perfect plan. But that's better than Pringles and uh, banana split ice cream. I mean, you <laughs> And it was. And since I've got this new gadget, it wasn't even a wearable at that time, this new gadget called the Fitbit, it was a toy to me, you know? So I'd go outside, I'd walk down the street, I'd walk back home. I said, wow, man. (laughs) 800 steps. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. 800 (laughs) steps. I walked 800 steps. You've got to be kidding me. That's far. And it was far far to me because I was walking with a cane and dragging my leg. Mm. Well, the next day I went out and I I walked a thousand steps. Boom. So I was building Mount Rushmore. (laughs) Tip, 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 tip. And you know, and in about a month, I was walking a mile a day. In about three months, I was walking two miles a day. And the combination of a high-protein diet, uh, elimination of virtually all sugar, uh, I started eating some complex carbs, you know, things that I was figuring out on the fly. And I was melting. I was melting. <laughs> the first year. And and. and this has shaped my philosophy about weight loss. Now the first year I lost about 40 pounds. That's a good rate of weight loss. Mm. You know, it wasn't a yo-yo diet. It wasn't a crash diet. It wasn't a starvation diet. I didn't make myself sicker by dieting the wrong way. And, uh, you know, and sometimes I wanted to speed up the process, but I could not make that happen. It was just going to happen as I was physically able to do it. And so now I'm down to 240 pounds. It's not exactly a supermodel, you know, size. Uh, and my body fat was still over 40 percent. You know, and, <laughs> and but I'm going I'm to throw one thing in right there. One of the things that got me started on the weight loss part of this journey was Alex, brother to brother. I was sick and tired of being the fattest man in the room. Mm. Everywhere I started noticing I, everywhere I went whether it was a church or a social meeting or, or sometimes even in a crowd, I'd look around and say, my Lord, I'm the fattest guy here. And that bothered me. So my self-esteem has been part of this too. So anyway, 
this walking thing went on for three years because I couldn't run. And I threw in some dumbbells along the way because I started getting smarter about whole body fitness. So I started out with a couple of 10 pound dumbbells I bought at the old Kmart. There you go. And, you know, and I'd go in the bedroom at night and I'd pump, 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 pump. And I started watching some YouTube videos, any and all sources of stuff about strength and fitness and training and weight loss. I was just like a sponge just soaking this up because again, I am motivated. And then I celebrate my 56th birthday. I had beat the death year. There you go. So over the next two years, I lost about 35 pounds a year. Wow. And then on July the 4th of the third year, my weight loss stopped. I don't know why. I think I had bottomed out and I had reached what would be for me, my normal body weight about 172 pounds. So I went from 280 to about 172 and all my health markers dramatically shifted. During this time, I'm getting blood work done twice a year. I've started taking some supplements, mostly multivitamins, calcium, magnesium, zinc, you know. Basic stuff, the good stuff. Yeah, I take some turmeric and, you know, things like that. I really love cayenne pepper. So I throw a couple of capsules of that in the mix. I started drinking a protein shake in the morning and scrambling some eggs on some days, but I became almost hyper-conscious of what I was eating. And here was the shift that helped me the most, I believe. I went from seeing food as my God-given reward to my fuel. Now, now some people may say, yeah, but food is supposed to be pleasurable. Well, I had to get to fuel first before I could get back to making food a pleasure. Mm. And so that mindset helped me shift. Well, so here I am. I'm 57 years old. I've gotten my health back. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I got an extension on life. I got a second chance. I'm not going to die of heart disease or diabetes or problems related to opioid use or depression or any of those things. So, wow. What am I going to do? Alex, you want to hear crazy? Yeah, bring it. We know each other well enough now. Crazy is this guy at age 57 signed up for Taekwondo. (laughs) 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 I'd always wanted to take martial arts and life was getting away from me. And and so I, uh, I went down to see Mr. Mendoza. And this is one thing I love about this country. I'm living in Alabama. I'm taking a Korean martial art from a guy that was born in yes. Mexico City. <laughs> That's America. That's America for you. And so I did about a year and a half of Taekwondo. And I found out, well, yeah, I do have a uh, 58, 59-year-old body. And and uh, I got to a point where I said, this is not smart. I got to take care of what's left because uh, I got hurt one night in sparring. And I said, risk assessment, (laughs) risk assessment. (laughs) So anyway, by this time, I'm already taking some certification courses with ISSA. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a pretty big leap. But I had this mindset, okay, gosh, man, I'm fortunate. You can say I'm blessed. I'm lucky. Whatever people need to say about me, say I'm a miracle. I, I don't think I'm a miracle. I think I was a guy who was educable, you know, show me, teach me. I might just be able to change things. 
and that's a good philosophy to have in any form of training because sometimes people like me need a guide because we're not able to figure it out on our mm-hmm. own and we wait too long and then the consequences get too high. So why does a guy like me at that point in life, age 58, need to get certified as a fitness trainer? Is it even realistic? Who would want to hire this mug <laughs> to instruct uh, classes or, or teach weightlifting or fitness or anything else? And so I really didn't have a sense of direction, but the education I was getting about how the body systems work together, the importance of mind and muscle connections. And and I'm not nearly as fluent in all this stuff as you are, because you're the science guy. <laughs> but I, I'm if you're the science guy, I'm the practical guy. You know how to design the perfect broom. I know how to push it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I said, I, I kind of felt a moral obligation since I'd learned so much to pay it back. Why not? Why not? Why, why not? So I got certified. And so I could then put a tag on my Facebook page that said, Gene Fleming, ISSA certified fitness trainer. <laughs> I love that. I know some of my high school peers were chuckling at that. Really? What's this guy going to do next? <laughs> 40 years later, he's certifying himself as a personal trainer. That's great. Now, now <laughs> when I, I got certified through ISSA as well, this is at the beginning of my journey in the fitness industry. And I remember I had addressed a lot of my own issues with regard to my genetic disorder, the, the pain and injuries that I had, I had wrestled with and stuff. And in living my life that way, people were always asking me, like, oh, how do you do this? How do you do that? How do I work my abs better? How do I run farther? Like just all the, it was always just everyday questions from, you know, my friends and coworkers and stuff like that. And I'm like, I should probably just get certified so that I'm not saying stupid things because <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, I'm doing what works well for me and I'm living that life. I know it might not work for everybody else. And then the other thing was, I'm thinking like from a business perspective, I feel like this is professional advice. Like if I get certified, maybe this is something that can help put me through college. Maybe this is something that I can pay for things because I've been through this journey myself. Was that part of your decision to get certified as well? Kind of the, hey man, I'm just doing what what I know is good for me and I I barely know what I'm doing. So (laughs) I probably should shore up that, that knowledge gap. Well, there is a level of awkwardness, you know, because, you know, I wasn't a gym rat. Now I had been, you know, pretty much into working out when I was in the Navy, especially in my last few years, because I was fighting the bulge before I retired. Mm. But um, this is my level of understanding as I began this. As I'm doing the first course in ISSA's program, uh, basic certified fitness trainer, when I was studying the book and it showed a certain dumbbell lift, I'd go get my dumbbells and do it so I understood what I was working, which muscles were being fired. And you're like eccentric, concentric, (laughs) eccentric, concentric. Okay. I got that one. Muscle shortening, muscle lengthening. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So all the way through the book, everything that the book was talking about, I said, I don't know how to do that. And I don't know how to use that equipment. So I joined the gym that had equipment that was similar to what was in the textbook. There's always some form of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was working on the lap machine. I was, I was working, you know, I was, I was doing pull downs. I was doing squats and well, 
my body fat got down to 14 <laughs> percent boom so it's not there right now it's more it's, it's up around 18 but so now i've got education i've got ability and i've got motivation it's time to share it so i knew i didn't need to go back to work i had my military retirement my veterans benefits i had planned well and invested well while i was working so and i had my wife too she's a dental hygienist. She had done the same. So financially, we were comfortable and I didn't need to go back to work and get in the grind of finding a job at a gym in a box or any place like that. Right. And I really, just me personally, I wasn't comfortable going door to door and saying, hi, I'm 60 years old. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a trainer. <laughs> Personal. I'm a trainer. Can I come in and pump you up? <laughs> Because that just sounded like creepy old man syndrome to me. Well, hey, man, I'm a, I'm a young man. That's also kind of creepy, too. So <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, so my passion, because I'd always been invested in senior people. Um, you know, when I was doing hospital work, when I was doing community work, when I was doing church work or any kind of work I was doing. Even since I was a kid, I was fascinated with old people. Give me two people to talk to, somebody my age or somebody 20 years older. I want to talk to the old guy because he knows stuff I don't know. <laughs> well said. So I'm trying to hatch a plan to where I can be a real trainer. You know, not just a guy that got a certificate from ISSA because I passed a test. So I said, well, okay, they've got a senior fitness trainer specialization. I said, I'm going to do that. And it really kindled the fire in me to, okay, this is a population of people that I can write to, I can talk to, I can podcast to. Mm. I should be training them in person. I should be coaxing them out of their hidey holes here in our community and getting them into some place and, and talking about muscle atrophy and, you know, and, and nutrition and making sure you're getting enough protein, things like that. And, uh, Alex, there's something that we know. And uh, I have a nurse in one of my classes, a retired nurse. She said, Gene, there aren't any morbidly obese, really old people. I thought, wow, she was a home health nurse. She took care of them when they were dying. She said, I didn't take care of anybody that was morbid low obese. They, they didn't make it to my level of care. And that's in Alabama, which is like at the top of the list of morbidly obese states. Well, actually, she was um, practicing in Georgia, but she's now. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. President here. So here was my brainchild. My wife said, why don't you go down and volunteer at the senior center? I said, oh, that's for old people. <laughs> she said, old man, 
<laughs> take your butt down to <laughs> take your butt down there <laughs> she, she and check in the it mirror, out. Bro. You know, <laughs> so I went down and talked to our uh, council on aging director, and I walked in, and right on the cusp of creepy old guy thing, I walked in. And I said, "Hi, my name's Gene. I'm a certified fitness trainer, and here's a little of my backstory. And I was wondering if you have an exercise class." For seniors. She said, we do not, but we really need one. I said, would you be willing to take a risk on me? She said, well, let me call my boss and see if we can do this. And because, you know, legal ramifications, risk factors, blah, blah, blah. And uh, she said, let me get back to you. I thought, well, that's the end of this conversation. <laughs> she called me back in a couple of weeks. She said, I need copies of your certifications. And I had two at that time. And uh, and she said, and you say your CPR is up to date and all of that. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She said, uh, when do you want to start? And we started out two days a week at first. And so we were meeting like uh, Monday and Wednesday. Well, I knew from what I had studied that two days a week wasn't really going to accomplish much since the limitations for the class was working out with two, three and five pound dumbbells and any seated exercises we could do. And I also knew that because the senior population has conditions of aging, uh, loss of vision acuity, reduced uh, hearing ability, uh, you know, balance issues and things like that. So I knew that some of them needed assistive devices. So we designed a class that's wheelchair friendly, walker friendly, cane friendly. Most of the exercises are done in a seated position. And I think what made the classes take off, because we're running about 20, 25 participants per class now, what made it take off is it's not just me, but it's something we know seniors really need because everybody retires and they think, this is it, you know, and then they didn't take care of themselves and this might be it, but it sucks because I can't go anywhere. I don't feel like that vacation I always wanted to take and I've got arthritis because Everybody over 60 definitely has it to some level. Mm. So we tailored the classes to get to a better part of the day for seniors. Rather than having a 7.30 in the morning class, we bumped it to 9.30 because I'm retired. It didn't make any difference to me. And from 9.30 to 10, we get one heck of a vigorous workout in. But the, the exercise is great. Every class starts with a, believe it or not, I can talk for five minutes. <laughs> every class starts with a five-minute topic that five-minute topic yesterday was sleep mm. last week it was are you getting enough protein how much protein do you need at 80 years old so you know and showing them a way to kind of figure out and the issue about eggs <laughs> i said eat the doggone eggs you've made it to 85 you need the protein um, <laughs> You know, unless your doctor told you specifically you have an egg allergy, eat the egg, the whole egg and nothing but the egg. And seniors get lazy because in addition to hearing and vision problems, uh, balance problems, uh, some of them have chewing problems, ill-fitting dentures, mm. missing teeth. So the process of mastication and chewing food well or chewing food that would be better for them, but they just can't chew it anymore. And, you know, nobody wants to be on a liquid diet. So the classes are 
the classes are designed to spark joy. And I'm just crazy enough to try to make that happen. Give them a tidbit. The, the part of the class they love best is the five-minute little mini lecture that I give them. And then we hit it. We start with breathing exercises. Then we do a full series of stretches. Nothing would be complex for somebody your age. And, but for them, putting arms over shoulders is a difficult thing. But I bring it back to practical fitness. But you have stuff on shelves in your house that you have to put away or bring down. And stretching in every direction, the shoulders will stretch. Uh, well, how am I going to exercise a senior citizen's lower back? You take those dumbbells, sit in the chairs, and just lean over to the floor with them, and then sit right back up. Mm. We practice uh, silly things, Alex. It, it probably would make a hilarious YouTube video, <laughs> but when I've got them all sitting in their chairs, practicing getting in and out of the car, right knee up and high, out to the right, and down flat um, to get good footing. You're the passenger. Left left knee, up, out, you know, and we do 10 reps both ways. Uh, they're doing leg lifts in their chairs. And so we've been doing it for five months now, and we're starting to get the testimonials. Mm. Uh, you know, guys that are saying, you know, before these classes, I had quit walking, and I'm walking a mile every day. That's an outcome, brother. That's an awesome outcome, yeah. And then the social aspect of the class is so important. They come in, they come early. <laughs> the class starts at 9.30. They're all there at 9.05. Uh, Just chatting they're it up. Visiting. <laughs> they're, they're visiting, they're hugging, they're laughing, they're catching up. And I have to calm them down. I'm like a fourth grade teacher. <laughs> Places, everyone. <laughs> we, got, we got stuff to do. Hey, come on in. Uh, so I don't want to interrupt your flow here, but there's some really good stuff that I, I want to mine and just highlight here. So first of all, thanks for sharing your story and being open about that, because there are a lot of people listening to the sound of our voice right now that fall in one of two camps. Either one, I'm not 55 yet, but I would like to handle that really well when I get there. And I can see how, you know, aging and doing lack of exercise or not eating right, I can see how that all accumulates. So that's one set of people we're talking to right now. But we're also talking to a set of people who might be in the midst of that right now. They might be under a large amount of medications and stuff, and they might be in a feeling hopeless position. And they're not connecting the dots to, you know what, there are things that I can do in my world right now from a nutrition standpoint, from a lifestyle standpoint, from an exercise standpoint. You know, I don't have to be a Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't have to go get certified as a personal trainer, but I could walk a mile every morning, right? Like there are people listening to the sound of our voice right now who are in that position. And your story is a really good amalgam of the power of the hope to take that individual responsibility. And hey, man, if you're not dead yet, like, what else? <laughs> let's, let's, let's keep moving forward. So thanks for sharing that. But I also want to highlight some of the stuff that you're, you're garnering from the senior fitness position, because I've been in the health and fitness industry, gosh, 16, 17 years old was the first exercise class that I taught. I was, I taught for the military APFT back in JROTC in high school. Yeah, uh, we were getting guys ready for the two minutes push-ups, two minutes sit-ups, and the, the two-mile run was for the Army. Uh, we didn't do that. I, we, we ran the mile and a half sometimes in competition because the judges were being lazy. But <laughs> So that, that was my first experience in the fitness industry. And then having been around the fitness industry for a lot of my life, 
it's focused on, or at least in, in my world, and in, in what looks like in social media and, and what's marketed at me as a young man and stuff, it's focused on the six pack abs and the sexy protein shakes and and the I you know quick quick workout high intensity to look like this Brazilian model or whatever. It's not real, you know. It doesn't it's it doesn't feel real. It doesn't look real, but it still grabs the heartstrings of people my age and they do strange things to try to pursue it. But when you're talking about your seniors that you're working with, when you're talking about real life people who have retired in, you said Heidi hole, you said it's so cute, kind of like, like it's not as scary as it actually is because you kind of retract and, and your, your community kind of starts to shrink and you don't feel like getting out and stuff. I see this happening in even family members that I'm close to as far as, uh, you know, post-retirement goes that, uh, the idea that fitness helps from a body perspective and it's real. It's not the sexy Instagram stuff, uh, like to grab stuff off the shelf, that nutrition is real, that it can stave off muscle atrophy so that as you are aging, you're not in a position where you lose so much muscle that your joints hurt and that you can't do the things that you love and you can't go on vacation. But there's also a powerful, it sounds like social aspect that you're seeing. And I just, I want you to talk a little bit more about that, if you don't mind, because when I talk to people about their health and fitness, it's often in relation to their kids. But I'm starting to find, you know, we moved to Arkansas recently to be closer to family. I'm starting to find that there is a fitness aspect to the upstream, too. I'm looking at grandma and grandpa. I'm looking at, you know, nana and papa. That's great. Grandma and grandpa in our world. And, and you know, we need to be going on walks. And there's stuff I'm doing with my clients that they need to be doing, too. And I'm thinking, like, how did I miss that? It's like, a, it's like the world stopped at me like in, in my kids downstream. And then I, I look upstream and I'm going, man, like that's a powerful social aspect of things too. So can you talk a little bit more about that? How in, in what you're doing, how are you seeing families involved, if at all, with the seniors that you're working with and how can people become more involved if they care to? Well, the hidey hole thing. <laughs> About one third of my participants are recently widowed. Mm -hmm. And by recently, I mean, or, or, or widowers. And by recently, I mean in the last two years. And some of them uh, in the last three months, for the first time in their lives, they are utterly alone. And if I can rein them in at that point and give them this sense of purpose and a community of belonging, uh, you know, and they have some place to go. And by the way, at our senior center, they get a free meal after they work out. There you go. <laughs> uh, and, and then with the senior thing, you would never think this, but uh, even within my class, we are multi-generational. I've got 91-year-old great-great-grandfather. His daughter that is 65 is in my class. Wow. <laughs> that's great. Now, now, that's a twist. So the target population for me that I cannot seem to reach right now, and it may be because of health decline hasn't happened, or, uh, medical diagnoses has, have, have not occurred, you know, they're still married, uh, they still have their spouse present, uh, their kids are adults now, is this, this age 55 to 65 group, they're the hardest ones to reach because uh, maybe some level of denial, they don't want their lifestyles to change. 
they like their pies, their cakes, their puddings, and their cookies, and their massive bags of chips and holiday foods. This is centric to their families. This is what they do. They get together on the weekends and they smoke a, a pork butt and and eat gobs and gobs of potato salad, baked beans, and 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 the desserts that go with it. Mm. So they don't feel the need to change. They may still be influenced by the by media and and Hollywood at some level where, well, girl, if we're going to go to the beach this year, I need to lose 15 pounds. I need to buy this special shake I saw on Dr. Oz and do that thing. Yeah, (laughs) I I hear that in my community as well. (laughs) But they don't think they need to worry about muscle loss. They don't think they need to worry about fitness. And a lot of them are just, they'll look at you and say, I am not walking every day. Mm. And I tell them, Alex, and I don't ever take a a stern tone with people unless I feel like I need to. I'll tell them. That's right. Bring out the Navy. I'll say, young lady, because I'm 61, you're 55. Young lady, (laughs) (laughs) if you haven't started walking, you haven't started your fitness journey yet. When you start going for a purposeful walk, a brisk walk, maybe throw in a couple of small hills uh, in that walk. You start doing that 30 minutes every day. Yes, you can safely walk 30 minutes every day. Uh, when when you start getting serious, you'll embrace that walk. Mm. It'll be that new tiny habit you develop that may transform your life. And then one more thing that I think I really need to talk about is this evil, evil evil presumption that none of my family lived past 65. Papa died of heart disease. Grandma died of complications due to diabetes. Aunt Ginger had a stroke. Uh, my mom and daddy uh, both died of lung cancer, you know, whatever the combination is. But nobody in my family lives past 65, so I'm not going to either. Mm. And I said, why not? Why not? Why have not through walking and changing a few habits and a, a few things in your diet, quit smoking for crying out loud. What if you could have quality life to age 70 and outlive everybody in your family that's come before you? Why not? And I get this mentality, Alex, and it saddens me. These are literal interviews I conduct with people. They say, well, 65 is pretty good. (laughs) Really? You're just content to do nothing? And we know the last few years of a person with type 2 diabetes, uh, heart disease, COPD, all of these things, we know those years really, really suck. Can I say suck on your podcast? You can. You can do it. Because they do. You don't generally die slowly. It's like you get the diagnosis and then you get the medication and then you get the surgery or the the emergency room visit because you can't breathe. Well, just like your experience, just like your personal health experience, like you didn't just die one day, you just slowly became a vegetable in a wheelchair that was in pain and depressed, you know, like it, that's brutal. At, at some point you, you look up from that and you go, I, <laughs> I could have died five years ago, been much happier before now, you know, and that slow degradation is not, it doesn't have to be that way. So naturally, as as it would follow, in taking care of my own health, <clears throat> because I'd had the diagnosis of congestive heart failure, I went to see my cardiologist, and we did the uh, general exercise test, stress test, whichever you want to call it, and uh, we did that. 
And by this time I was running uh, 5k races and half marathons and things like that. And, uh, and I was pumped up brother. And so they put that, they put that, uh, treadmill on its highest incline. I said, is this all you got? Is this all you got? You know? And so 13 minutes into that stress test, I was like, I said, are, do we need to keep doing this or <laughs> you got what you need? He said, man, we were done five minutes ago. <laughs> and I, okay. I, I am Navy, so I'm entitled to brag. That's right. But I'm really invested in the debrief after I've had the test and it's all been read and my numbers are all evaluated. My cardiologist, Dr. Hallisay, he looked at me and he says, Mr. Fleming, there is no reason why you should not live to be 95. <laughs> okay. I'm like, I'm going to outlive my granddad because he made it to 93. There you go. So the question then becomes, okay, if I have this potential, how am I going to make age 80 good, age 85 good, mm. age 90 good? You know, I got to have a plan here. And that's where I'm at these days. Mm. How are you going to get the next five years? We'll worry about 10 years if you make it that far. But the next five years, how am I going to keep myself healthy and strong? And here's one of the things that I say. And I think I said it on a podcast recently. When grandma has difficulty getting up, she quits getting up. And when she quits getting up, she can't get up. And when she can't get up, grandma's not here much longer. Mm. That's a cycle that needs to be addressed and we can't wait on a home health therapist or caregiver to come in to exercise grandma. We need to take care of our seniors, take them for walks. Uh, if it's just around the yard, if it's up and down the block, you know, take them shopping, get them out, get them moving and, you know, purposeful exercise at every age and good nutrition. Of course, mm. seniors are most apt to eat foods that are easy to chew that are sugary and salty and they're protein deficient by and large. That's why when grandma comes out of the hospital, the doctor tells the family, buy her some Ensure, you know, 15 gram protein shakes. Most of the seniors I've met hate those things. <laughs> but they, you know, it so, tastes like crap. I mean, that good. <laughs> yes, yes, they do. They smell like, like yeah, that. Yeah. So for my transition to now helping others visualize what a good next five years could be, if I can keep them from sitting, the plan has purpose and we're seeing the outcomes. Mm. I was walking at a local walking park the other day and I ran into one of my clients. Yes. He's out there. His name's Doyle. He's 82 years old. When I met Doyle five months ago, he didn't go anywhere without his cane and he didn't go very many places at all. He's out there busting it in this walking track. And he says, he said, I did a mile yesterday <laughs> and I'm going to do a mile and a quarter today. He said, but look here. And he held up his cane. He says, I'm not having to use it to walk. That's in five months, mm. five months. He got that much quality of life back and he was excited. And he said, he said, Mr. Fleming, if it wasn't for you, I'd still be sitting in my apartment. I'm like, oh man. I know, right? You walk away from that. That gives me chills, dude. Like, <laughs> And since I do all this work with these seniors as a volunteer fitness instructor for the Council on Aging, there's my payday, bro. There you go. That's it right there. So 
I want to switch gears just a little bit as we're coming up on our time here. And uh, one of the things that you spoke about off air before we even got started was I talk a lot on Defining Dad about, about the responsibility of a parent to pass on healthy nutrition habits to their kids. So nutrition, exercise, lifestyle, you know, they'll sleep like we sleep, they eat like we eat. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've got my graham crackers in the pantry for my kid. Yeah, okay. But they don't need to eat graham crackers all their life, right? Well, you spoke very briefly about the idea of a great grandparent or a grandparent also having an influence on the nutrition of children and a little bit of a responsibility there, not just to oneself, but also to the kiddos. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because when you started talking about it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's my conundrum as a health conscious fitness parent. You know, I feed my kids pretty well and everything's good. And then I, I come home from uh, come home from grandpa's house and what happens at grandpa's house stays at grandpa's house. But you know, a three-year-old tells all of the stories. So I know how much candy's being eaten and I know how late one's staying up and that sort of thing. Can you talk a little bit about the responsibility perhaps, how it doesn't end just because then you're in the fun golden years of life? This is one of my five minute topics. Grandparents are teachers too. And so beginning of the class, I said, okay, I'm going to tell y'all. I'm going to tell y'all. Y'all. That's an Alabama <laughs> thing. guess where I'm from. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a true story, and I want you to tell me what's wrong with this, because they are the cast of characters in this play that happens at Grandma's house. A few months ago, I stopped in a convenience store to buy gasoline early in the morning, and while I'm standing there waiting to check out, a grandmother, I'm presuming she was the grandmother, she was too old to be the, the mother of this child, they were in the store too. The little boy was running around, appeared to be about six, maybe seven. He's running around. He says, I did, I, 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 and he was on the way to school. Uh, uh, he, said, he says, we didn't have any breakfast this morning, Mama. I need some breakfast. Can I get something for breakfast? And she said, yeah, you can get you something to drink and get you something to eat. In a convenience store. Now, you give a six-year-old that option as a grandparent, he's going to go get a high sugar drink. You know, he's not going to grab a carton of milk. He's he's not going to grab. Wait a minute. There's nothing in a convenience store that's healthy to eat unless they have an apple or banana, perhaps on the checkout counter. So he grabbed a bag of Skittles and a 20 ounce Mountain Dew. Oh and that is breakfast. And I walked out of that convenience store saying, oh, God. I am glad I'm not his teacher this morning because that kid is going to be so jacked and he's going to so crash. The school day is going to suck. Mm. And so I, I tell the story to the class and the class goes, who in a Sam heck gives a child Skittles and Mountain Dew for breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> but the seed is sown. What are you feeding your grandchild? You take pleasure in the fact that you spoil them rotten and then send them home. What you should be saying is, here, try this. This is really tasty. And this will make you have big muscles like pop-pop. That's right. There needs to be some salesmanship on the part of grandparents, not just to spoil them rotten, because what does rotten mean? That means decomposing. <laughs> Teeth falling out and brain turning to mush. <laughs> and then on my wife's side, her grandparents came and stayed with them for three months out of every year. When grandmother was there, 
their lunch consisted of apple slices, cheese wedges, and peanut butter half sandwiches. That was lunch. And she's like, Grandma. And Grandma says, oh, no, everything you need is right there, you know, to power you through the afternoon. She didn't use that language, I'm sure. But Grandma's goal wasn't to stuff more and more and more sugar and placate every (laughs) craving that that child had, but to put something of substance, some protein, some healthy carbs, and some healthy fat even into that child. Mm. But grandparents don't think like that because they think it's an entitlement to, I've got the grandkids, they can do anything at Papa's house. You know, they can run wild, they can eat whatever they want, they can go in the refrigerator or the pantry and self-serve, and you know they're not going to come running back with a granola bar. They're going to grab the snack cake or the bag of chips. Or, so anyway, so that's kind of a I'm teaching these grandparents in the class because they're trying to get healthy. I said, okay, let's pass it on. You know, take your grandchild for a walk. Mm. You might not be able to kick the soccer ball, but, you know, you can get out there and play like you're kicking it with them. Or throw it and make them kick it back to you. And they'd be happy to kick the ball while you're walking the park trail. I mean, my my, my three-year-old will kick his ball all over the place while we go on a family walk, which, you know, you, you would think, hey, I can't do what they do. Maybe we just don't need to go in that place. But that's not how kids work. They're just happy to be out there with you. Years ago, somebody campaigned on a, on a theme that it takes a village, but it takes a family. It takes grandparents and great-grandparents and aunts and uncles, moms and dads, to help raise our kids and steer them toward a lifestyle of choices that are healthier. Now, I'm not a dictator about this when I'm working with people because I can't demand perfection in eating for anybody because I myself do not have perfection. Me and my wife went out to Burger King. And by golly, I had a Whopper the other day. It's the first one I've had in a year. And I don't eat there every day. But my point of encouraging people, I says, what if, what if we get it right 90% of the time? 90% of the time. I'm not saying you can never have ice cream. You can never have pizza night at home. Uh, you can't have a bowl of ice cream. Uh, it, I, I'd never say that to people because it's unrealistic. But what if we get it right 90% of the time? That's a lot of good healthy meals that are eaten. And what if you take five 30-minute walks a week? Great start. I mean, heck, you can do that for a long time. <laughs> Maybe until 95. You just might. You just might. <laughs> Gene, I really appreciate your time today, brother. I could talk to you about this for a long time. I'm definitely going to be sharing this uh, grandparents blurb with uh, with my mom and dad. You know, I <laughs> send make them, make them listen to your podcast. <laughs> That's right. Hey, guys, you need to listen to this part at least, uh, and then we can talk about it over family breakfast (laughs) and then go for a walk. (laughs) But, (laughs) yeah, you got the idea, right? Uh, Right. So I'm inspired in this sense to incorporate both my family and then also some of my community and and not think personally about this as just a parent and child relationship. But I always like to give my – interviewees the last word. So Gene, if people don't hear anything else from you today, what do you hope they hear from you? Sharing your story, sharing your experiences with seniors, and then also talking through some of these issues about how a family, no matter who you are, is a teacher to the kiddos. I would say this, Alex, none of us, not parent, not trainer, not doctor, can force people 
toward health, but a lot of us are in positions to love them toward health. When we're sincere in our hearts and we know, educationally speaking, what the better choices are, and we incorporate that into everyday life, we end up with healthier loved ones, healthier children. Uh, even my dog is getting healthy because I run. He's only good for about a half mile, but he gets it for that half mile. And at, at age 10, it's pretty good for him. So uh, you can't force people to do what we do. You, you can't force them to be motivated to go. Everybody has this mindset of work out, go to the gym, two hours, you know, pump, grind, sweat, ah, treadmill, 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 ah, you know, it's, it's like the worst horror show ever for a lot of people. There's a getting to know you phase, and I'm not talking about fitness light. I'm talking about there's a getting to know you phase of you almost have to parse it out to some people in little chunks to get these tiny habit changes and say, okay, you remember to brush your teeth every night, right? Oh, yeah. Well, let's remember to take a walk every day. Create that tiny habit. You can tell I've, <laughs> I've studied the tiny habit uh, thing, but let's just tiny chunks. And, and another thing is sometimes, you know, I have to admit as a trainer, as a person who's gone through a, a pretty significant transformation myself, that I still have weaknesses and to recognize those weaknesses. And here's something that has actually happened to this old guy. And it's okay to put it in your shopping cart. It's victorious before you get to the checkout, but you take it back and put it on the shelf. <laughs> you know? That won't be written down in a meme and shared all over the internet, but it's okay. And one of the best breakthrough moments for me one day is because I was a cheese it addict. I got to the cheese it section in the grocery store, five boxes because they've got cheddar and they've got white cheese and they've got red pepper ones. And, and I was just like, some of all. And I would sit and eat a whole box while watching TV. The day came that I loaded my grocery cart and I got to the end of the aisle. And I said, no, the change begins today. Turned the cart around, went back down the aisle. Put them, I put them back in the right place too, by golly. I put them all back, turned around, walked back out of that aisle. And I can't express to you the exhilaration I had in that moment because that was a tiny step in the right direction. Mm. Now, I didn't turn around and go back and get them or get one box. I left them in the store because if I don't buy it, I can't take it home. If I don't take it home, I can't eat it because I know me and I'm a binge eater, Alex. I'm a binge eater. I like to gratify the taste buds. I get the dopamine release and I'm like, ah, <laughs> sometimes when I buy the pizza, I just buy the slice. <laughs> there you go. That way you can't eat the whole thing. That's it, brother. Gene, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. No, thank you. Thank you. If people listening to this want to connect more with your work or let's say I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? Nobody's going to listen to, Nobody. Some people are going to listen to me. My grandma and my mom are not going to listen to me, but maybe they'll listen to you. How do people get connected to your podcast and share that around? Well, we're on anchor.fm, uh, but we're available on just about every podcast uh, format now, including Apple and others, Spotify. In fact, I, I, some of the podcast sites I've never even heard of, but uh, anchor.fm is a facility an, an app where you can create a podcast and they take care of the distribution of it for you. Mm. So when I advertise my podcast, which is pushing 60 aside, 
Hey, there's my podcast voice pushing 60 aside. Oh, that was good. That was <laughs> that was Paul Harvey worthy right there. <laughs> and now you know the rest of the story, my friend. <laughs> yeah, a search for Pushing 60 Aside podcast. And uh, of course, Gene Fleming, G-E-N-E, because I am a boy. And and uh, I, I mean a man. You know, I tell some of the ugly parts of this transformation because this is almost another podcast, Alex. I study super morbidly obese people. I study them. I'm talking about 600 pound people. I study people that are morbidly obese. I study people that have given up. One thing that I'm finding true, not with children, especially with the over 40 adult population, is so many of them have had a crisis in their life, whether it was divorce of their parents, of their spouse, with their spouse, death of a child, sexual abuse, molestation, tragic injury. Almost in every one of them, there is a past. Sometimes it's uh, addictions of drugs or alcohol, but almost every one of them have this crisis point in their psychology that somehow makes them feel unworthy and hurting or depressed and food has become their medication. And it's the psychological aspect of what makes us overeat is not very well dealt with but it's there and we know it's there and it's not my realm as a trainer but it's my realm to understand there's more going on here with this person's compulsive overeating than just that she loves fritos or ice cream and i have to love her toward health i i've got a lady right now can't go into the details but i make a point i go to a local gym, and I walk with her every day. That's where she's at. She's trying to bounce back from the onset of type 2 diabetes. You know, first four months of this year, she's on track to lose 40 pounds. But I can see what's happening in her. She's starting to come alive. She's starting to accept that she's in charge of this process. I'm just the friend that walks alongside her during the process. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes in a home, the husband's a fitness nut. The wife is not. <laughs> the child is a fitness nut. The parents are not. And, and there's room for family fitness. There really is. Buddy, hey, thank you for having me on the podcast. I know this will probably be the last time because I talk too much. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, that's good. So in, in behavioral psychology, what you do, and you don't talk too much, by the way, but if, if you do think somebody talks too much, what you do is you, you put a timer on the wall behind you so that they can be aware of the, of the behavioral. And, and that's kind of what you're talking about there, which is a whole podcast all by itself. So I think what I'm going to do is direct our listeners, if you want to listen to more of uh, what's going on with Gene's work with seniors, Gene's work in overcoming his his past himself and some of the things that he's learned through that as he continues to get educated as a uh, fitness professional. I know you're currently in the nutrition and fitness certification, which is a party, (laughs) I know. Or if you want to help other people who might need a different voice in fitness, because I speak to certain people, but I know Gene can speak to other people that might be more receptive. I know I'm going to be forwarding his work onto my uh, my grandma, my grandpa, my mom, my dad. We'll see how they do with that, Gene. So thanks for talking the talk. But if you want to check that out, that's pushing 60 aside. Here comes age 60. I'm going to push it aside because my sights are set on 70. 
80 and beyond. There you go. I love it. And to our listeners, thank you guys so much for listening. Until next time, guys, kick butt, take names. The free practical advice and conversations here remain unbought and unbiased thanks to the support of listeners just like you. For more information on how you can become a part of the inner circle of Defining Dad Bod, go to definingdadbod.com slash inner circle.